Your financial choices may discuss various financial-related topics and thus would like to offer the following disclosures. Lori Siebert is employed by Valley National Group, the Valley National Financial Advisors Group of Companies. Investments are offered through Valley National Investments Incorporated, member FINRA. We inform you that any federal tax, state tax, financial advice, or information contained in this communication is not intended to be personalized or specific in nature or to be relied upon for your personal situation in any circumstance. The advice and information are not intended and cannot be used as a tax opinion letter nor used for the purpose of avoiding tax-related penalties. For personalized advice specific to your own situation, we recommend that you consult your CPA, CFP, or attorney. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices. I am a CPA, CFP professional and AEP on the web at yourfinancialchoices.com. You can listen online each and every week at wdiy.org. Today is October 18th, 2023. The markets were down today with the Dow closing at 33,665, the NASDAQ at 13,314, and the S&P at 40. 314. Our topic tonight is Milestone Birthdays, Important Ages in Planning. We are live this evening. We'll take your questions. Bob and Cindy are in the studio with us this evening. We'll answer your calls, take your information, and we ask you to mute your radio so you can hear me without the delay and we can talk without confusion. We discuss general financial planning topics and not specific investments. And while I typically have a topic each week, you can ask uh, questions off topic as well, and I'll do my best to answer them. The phone number for questions is 610 758 And if you're not comfortable talking live on air, just give your question to uh, Cindy and Bob will bring it in to me. Email is also available at yourfinancialchoices.com. And if um, you you have questions or ideas for the show, certainly check out that website, Your Financial Choices, to send those ideas or questions to me. Um, I, I appreciate uh, hearing from our listeners as to what kind of topics you'd like me to cover. So again, tonight we're doing milestone birthdays, important ages and planning. So first I'm going to kind of talk about the ages and then I'm going to circle back and talk about some planning opportunities or pitfalls around these ages as as we go along. Um, and again, just a reminder that it is our uh, annual fall membership drive and would love if uh, you would like to become a new member, renew your membership or make an extra gift. And you can do that during the show at WDIY.org. That's online or on the WDIY app and just click donate. But questions are uh, open on the phone line 610-758-8810. So let's talk about these milestone birthdays. And Let's start with birth. Um, that is your birthday, right? So uh, birth, and we're going to kind of go through the gamut. Um, what are important dates, or more importantly, what are the important ages? Um, so the dates will depend, obviously, for each one of you as to when you're born. So you'll have to kind of do your own math on some of these. But basically, when we talk about birth, what happens? Why could this be an event? Why does it mean something in planning? Um, the minute you're born, you do become a deduction uh, for someone on the tax return. And you may even become a taxpayer as well. I referred, you know, when I've talked about this subject in the past, the Gerber baby. Um, 
you know, earning money, children earn money, possibly from, you know, even parents in, in, um, in jobs, self-employed people may hire their, their baby for a, a advertising or something like that. So a baby could end up being employed. So there could be some tax planning opportunities there. But bottom line, it is ends up being um, in the past what we called an exemption on our tax return. Now, with the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they took away the exemption, but we still have um, something else related to having children, which is a child tax credit. So we're going to talk about that in, in a minute. Um, but there's also dependent credits that may uh, apply when you have children. So you have a child, now they're going to give you tax benefits. In 2026, when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets, we expect that then would take us back to those old rules where we would be back to having an exemption for our dependent children. So under age 13, and the reason I mentioned under age 13, because again, we're talking about ages that are important. So this is for your 12-year-olds or your younger dependents that you'll still have, um, you might have daycare or aftercare expenses um, if you and your spouse are working or if your spouse is disabled. You may qualify for the child and dependent care credits. Um, you have to coordinate that if you have a dependent care flexible spending account. It's, it, you can't double dip, but there is an available credit that you fill out a form called the 2441 for that child um, dependent care credit. And the credit ranges from 20% to 35% with a maximum credit of 20% of qualified expenses for taxpayers with adjusted gross income over $43,000. And it's not to exceed $3,000 for uh, one qualifying child or $6,000 for two or more. So that could end up being a substantial credit. Now, when I say it's a substantial credit, yes, but we also understand that dependent care expenses are also substantial. I've, you know, seen where people are paying $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 for child care. So this um, dependent care credit, while it's valuable and wonderful, um, it, it's still capped at this 3,000 for one child to 6,000 for two, and it depends on how much income you have as to how much you'll qualify for the credit. And if you have the dependent care credit that, um, sorry, if you have the dependent flexible spending account, that has to be factored into that as well. And if you have payroll withdrawal for the flexible spending account for dependent care expenses, you have to remember on your tax return to include the Form 2441 to um, document that you used those pre-tax dollars for these qualified expenses. If you do it through your employer, you're saving extra taxes or possibly more taxes by doing it through payroll deduction. So that's something important to keep about. I kind of went into the planning part of it there, but um, so that's under age 13. Under age 17, you're eligible for a child tax credit of um, $2,000 per child. It, wait. Or did we go up? I think, yeah, I, I think it is $2,000 per child now, which applies to a qualifying child. You have to make sure there's age requirements, citizenship, dependency, and it's under age 17. Um, 
the, the reason I got a little confused on the child tax credit is because that has changed over the years uh, for the 2017 uh, pre-2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, then the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and then the CARES Act, we had some uh, changes and variations of the child tax credit because they were trying to help people during the pandemic, so there were often changes to that. What's most important for us to think about, though, is um, just making sure that we're entering that information on the tax return properly, appropriately, so that if you are eligible for the credit that you qualify for it and that you apply for it. There is an income phase out, and the old income phase out was much, much lower. Um, current, the current phase out is, is very high, and many, many more people qualify for the child tax credit than they used to. Um, you qualify for the full amount of the 2023 child tax credit for each qualifying child if you meet the eligibility factors and your annual income is not more than $200,000 if you're single or head of household or $400,000 if filing a joint return. And it used to be much lower. So $400,000 of income. And if you have a child under 17, you could still qualify for this uh, child tax credit. So that's $2,000. That's something um, important to be aware of. Make sure that you check the boxes appropriately and give that information if you're using a tax preparer to give it to your tax preparer. Folks, we are talking about milestone birthdays, important ages and planning. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. You can talk live with me or off air, whatever works for you. And just a reminder that it is our fall membership drive, and we would love to hear from you during your financial choices by um, making your donations through the WDIY app or by going online at WDIY.org and clicking the donate button. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including fee-based asset management. It all starts with personal goals and an understanding of risk tolerance, investment objectives, and the markets. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. Become a new member, renew your membership, or make an extra gift by going securely online at wdiy.org or on the wdiy app and clicking donate if you have questions this evening we have the phone lines open for that at 610-758-8810 bob and cindy are standing by i would love to hear from from anyone who might have an inquiry you could also send those through the website yourfinancialchoices.com we're talking about milestone birthdays and then i'm going to kind of circle back and talk about planning i know i kind of um you know end up talking a little bit about some of the planning elements of this as i go through here but but let's get through the ages and then we'll talk in a little bit more detail about some of the planning um one other item I do want to mention about the fall membership drive is for every $100 in donations to WDIY, there's also 12 meals provided to those in need through the Second Harvest Food Bank and the um, partnership with Valley National Financial Advisors. I'm very grateful to Valley National Financial Advisors for not only supporting 
this show, Your Financial Choices, supporting me in my endeavor to educate, financial education in the community, but also as a uh, partner in uh, the, the meals that are provided through our Second Harvest Food Bank. So thank you, Valley National Financial Advisors, for that as well. Uh, going back to important ages. So we've talked about just being born provides, you know, some tax benefits or could to uh, those people um, who qualify to claim a dependent child. Uh, important for under age 13 that may qualify for child tax credits if you meet the requirements for that, meaning both spouses have to be working or, you know, it could be a single spouse working and or a working spouse with a disabled spouse. And then um, under age 17, qualifying for the child tax credit, that's a, a nice tax credit. That's really a big credit, and it applies to many more people than it used to. So that's really um, good. Parents and gu guardians with higher incomes may be eligible to claim a partial credit. So if the income is higher, if you have multiple children, too, um, you still may qualify for that child tax credit. You just have to kind of go through the calculation for that. Now, moving on through some of the ages, let's go to age 18. And this really could be age 18 or 21. But 18, why I mention that is it could be the age of majority in many states, most states possibly. And it would be time to look at those accounts that, that you may have set up for your kids when they were younger. If you set up a bank account for them to do some savings, maybe you set up a bank account to uh, save gifts that they received maybe from grandparents or aunts and uncles. And those kinds of accounts we call the UGMA or UTMA accounts. More, more recently, it's UTMA. And the UGMA is the Uniform Gift to Minors Act. And UTMA is the Uniform uh, Transfer to Minors Act. So those accounts are set up when you have a, a minor who needs to save money, but you have to have a custodian basically on the account. So the account is set up in the child's social security number, but there has to be a custodian tied to that account responsible for receiving documentation, paperwork, opening, you know, applications, things like that. But at the age of majority, which for various states could be different, could be 18, could be 21. Those accounts are supposed to transfer to that child. So do you need to make arrangements to transfer the delivery and access to, you know, your children? And it could even be, you know, a grandchild, a niece or nephew, depending on who established the account. So basically, I think people in 19, let's see, what year would that be? for 18. Is that 19? Well, I'd have to look the age. <laughs> I think I added that wrong. Um, so uh, age 18, watch out for that. I'm going to talk about planning that you might want to plan around that a little bit later. Under age 19, so not too far from age 18, under age 19, um, getting a deduction for your kids. Once your children or other qualifying dependents turn 19, you have to start reviewing if they're going to qualify for there's like an extra um, dependent kind of credit that you get. Um, it used to be, you know, whether you got that exemption and now it's like an extra $500. So you don't get that $2,000 child tax credit anymore, but you could get the $500 credit. 
and you have to see if your children would qualify for that. There's certain requirements for that. Um, they have to be your child or other eligible relative, younger than 19, or a full-time student under age 24, or be totally and permanently disabled. So if you have a 19-year-old who's not a student, not going to college, and they're working and they're making you know, more than a certain threshold, then you may not be able to claim them for that extra deduction. Under age 24, what are we talking about that? If they are now 24, they'll no longer be your qualifying child, but may qualify as a qualifying relative for that extra $500 dependency exemption if they live with you, are related to you, and have gross income of less than $4,400, and the taxpayer provides more than half of their support. Um, Age 24, kitty tax no longer applies. So kitty tax, that is another planning issue I might have to kind of go into more detail as we go through the show here. Um, the kitty tax, let me explain that briefly, though. Uh, when you go to file a tax return, you have to report your income. At some point, People got clever and said, gosh, I have all this income because I'm working, I'm making all this money, I have all this interest, dividends, investment income. Why don't I transfer some of these assets to my kid? And then my kid will have to report the income and my kid has no other income. They're going to be in a low tax bracket and not pay any tax on that money. Well, Congress got you know, aware of this and said, hey, we're not going to allow that anymore. No more shifting the income to the kids for no other reason than um, sheltering it from your own higher tax brackets. So they came up with this concept of a kiddie tax. So the children can earn a certain amount of, the kids can earn money, have earned income. It's the unearned income that really kind of throws things into a loop. And when you the children have unearned income over a certain threshold, now it has to be recalculated at the parent's tax rate. And that's what we call the kitty tax. So the kitty tax is the parent's tax rate on unearned income over certain thresholds. So there's not as much of an incentive for uh, parents or grandparents to shift income to lower income tax bracket children or grandchildren. So they've taken away the incentive of that a little bit, which is why I think we don't see as many UTMA accounts as we used to. It used to be like, I saw tons of them. And now you don't really hear about it as much. So I don't know if it's that parents just aren't encouraging their children to save money. Are kids not working anymore these days? I mean, I've worked since I was 12 and I had a savings account from then and, you know, have, have had a bank account for a very long time. I don't know if there was a shift because kids aren't working or because parents weren't trying to shelter money. But um, that's, that's the utma. Uh, dilemma there that once they reach age of majority, the account is supposed to go to them. And if you have, as a parent, transferred so much in assets to your kids, thinking you're sheltering that income from, you know, your own higher tax rate, number one, you have a kiddie tax exposure. And number two, you got to shift those assets, you know, to the kids. And maybe you really, really theoretically didn't want them to have all that. Um, folks, we're at our second break. If you have questions, the phone number is 610-758-8810. That's 610-758-8810. 
You can go online to help support us in our 2023 fall membership drive by going to WDIY.org or on the WDIY app and clicking donate to become a new member, renew your membership, or make an extra gift. Nothing wrong with an extra gift. Every little bit counts and is helpful to us. We are our staff and our cadre of volunteers that we appreciate so much that are here giving of their time and if you can't give of your time maybe you could give of your treasure and you can do that by donating wdiy.org or on the wdiy app again if you have questions for tonight's show 610-758-8810 we'll be back in just a moment WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including income tax preparation for individuals, businesses, estates, and trusts. Tax preparation involves more than putting numbers on a return. It requires planning. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Siebert, and I have in the studio with me Seamus McGrogan. Seamus, say hello. Hi, Lori. Happy to be here, and we just want to take a minute out of your financial choices right now to remind you listening that it is the fall membership drive, and we are asking for your support right now. And also to give a big thank you to everybody who's given so far. We've had a lot of people giving today, renewing the membership. We've had a few new memberships, which is always great to hear, and a few extra gifts from people who are existing members pitching in their help with the fall membership drive. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's given so far. You're helping us keep these programs on the air, which we so appreciate. We could not do this without you. So right now, if you enjoy Lori's program, we encourage you, donate now during the program your financial choices because because that lets us know here at the station that there are people out there that want this show to stick around. And truly, financial advice live, in person, every single week, you know you can go there to get good advice. Something like that just isn't very common. Yeah. So we value Lori coming in and sharing her expertise like this. And if you value that, you can say thank you by donating to WDIY. Become a member. Of course, any donation amount is uh, appreciated, but we especially love our members. $60 for the year will get you a membership to the station that'll get you plugged into the weekly member ticket giveaways. And you're going to be taking advantage of our match for meals that's going on right now. So we've partnered with Valley National Financial Advisors to cover the cost where every single donation results in meals delivered by Second Harvest Food Bank of the Lehigh Valley. And the calculation is for every $100 we raise during the fall membership drive, 12 meals are provided by Second Harvest Food Bank. So this is only going on during the membership drive. Take advantage of this right now. Take advantage of Valley National Financial Advisors' generosity, matching your donations with a donation to Second Harvest, and make a gift now. And it's my birthday. Hey, happy birthday, Lori. It's my birthday. So wouldn't it be fabulous if we had some people uh, do some pledges through the website, wdiy.org, not only to support the the show and the studio, but also my birthday. Wow, that would would be great. I wasn't going to mention it, but I couldn't help myself. (laughs) 
Well, anything say, for donations. <laughs> <laughs> well, say happy birthday to Lori and make a membership gift. Go to WDIY.org. Hit that donate button and support your listening and support Lori. Thank you, Seamus. I, th- I thank all the volunteers who've been here, too. Cindy and Bob are here tonight. Shandy's here. It's just a fabulous place to be. And I'm grateful that, that we're able to do the show. So listeners, um, you've heard the number and you've heard the, the website and... Uh, We welcome any support that you can give us. Tonight we are talking about milestone birthdays. That's why I decided to do this show tonight. Milestone birthdays. I thought if I have to be here on my birthday, um, we'll talk about birthdays and important ages really in planning. So we've talked about birth. We've talked about under age 13, under 17, age 18 or age of majority, which could be 21 in some states, under 19, 24, um, the kitty tax. Age um, 25 is uh, relevant for taxpayers with no children, but that have low income. They may qualify for an earned income tax credit. So earned income credit, that could be important. So taxpayers with no children and low income, often we think of the earned income tax credit as something available to lower income families with children, but It also applies to people with no children if they're low income, but you have to be age 25 and not a student, I believe. Um, I don't see it that often. In fact, I think I only have had one client who's um, had that, but um, it it could be applicable to you. So I don't think you could be a student and um, there's income levels. Under age 26, amounts paid for health insurance for your children age 26 and under uh, qualifies for the income exclusion through your employer and or through the self-employed health insurance deduction. So once your child turns 26, so if you have health insurance through work and you have a family plan, you can keep your children on that health insurance up to age 26. And in fact, some people might be surprised that you can even have your married children on your health insurance plan. Um, our daughter was married at 22 and she was under 26 and the health insurance on her husband's plan was more expensive than for her to stay on our family plan and she could stay on the family plan but once they turn age 26 they have to find you know their own coverage um so the next few ages or dates have to do with taking money out of retirement accounts and why this is important. There's a lot of rules around this and you spend so much of your adult life, hopefully working and saving money for your future retirement. So it's, these are the really important ages. Um, Remember you're putting money away while you're working, typically on a pre-tax basis. Sometimes it's post-tax. I'll talk about that in a minute. So pre-tax basis to save the taxes today. That way you're deferring paying taxes on that money today. That means you are able to put more money away. That's called tax deferral. And it typically has very uh, lucrative to do things on a tax deferral basis, a pre-tax basis. Then when you retire, you take the money out. You're going to pay taxes on the money then because you got the tax deduction up front. That's for federal purposes. In Pennsylvania, we do not get the deduction up front, uh, but we don't pay taxes on our retirement accounts. So 
pre-tax for federal purposes. Now, if you take it out before a certain age, you will have early withdrawal penalties of 10% unless you qualify for some exceptions. So the, and and I'll talk about those exceptions in a minute. So on the pre-tax basis, you have to take it out. If you take the money out before a certain age, you're going to have not only the income tax, but you're also going to have a 10% penalty unless an exception uh, uh, applies. But on the post-tax dollars, so typically if you're doing after-tax dollars, years and years ago, uh, pre-1986, we saw a lot of employees putting after-tax dollars in their employer plans. So you have basis in that. You didn't get a tax deduction on after-tax dollars. So when you take out the after-tax dollars, you're not going to pay income tax on that. Um, But if you take out like a a distribution from like a mixed plan where you have after-tax dollars and pre-tax dollars, then you're going to have some some tax and penalty, uh, but it would only be on the the pre-tax amount. Again, if you take it out in an early withdrawal. So some of those exceptions that we see um, uh, for early withdrawals might be, uh, for example, if you're in an employer plan, and the reason I'm stalling you guys is because I realized I have age 50, which is something, it's not a, an exception to the penalty. And then I go into the exception to the penalty. So let me just backtrack for a moment and talk about age 50 being one of those other important ages um, where before you can make a catch-up contribution to the IRA or simple 401k or 403b B plan. So at age 50, you can do catch-up contributions and this could be quite significant and make such a difference in some of the planning that we might talk about a little bit later. And that is for 2023, uh, an employee can put in to a 401k or a 403b $22,500. But when you reach age 50, you're now allowed to do a catch-up contribution. And in 2023, that's $7,500. So $22,500 plus $7,500, you can put up to $30,000 into a employer retirement plan, a 401k, 403b, and defer the tax on $30,000. That's a lot of tax savings today. Concept being you're in a higher tax bracket while you're working, defer paying the tax today, that extra money gets to stay invested, and it doesn't, um, isn't income taxed until you take it out. And when you take it out is hopefully when you're in your retirement years and you might be in a lower tax bracket. So age 50 is an important age. When we come back from the halfway point, we're going to talk about some of those exceptions then to the 10% penalty on early withdrawal. If you have questions, phone number is 610-758-8810 and pledges through WDIY.org or on the WDIY app. We'll be back in just a moment. WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services for more than 25 years, including estate planning and tax preparation, especially for Pennsylvania and New Jersey residents subject to state inheritance tax reporting. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. If you have questions, phone number is 610-758-8810. We are talking about milestone birthdays or important ages in planning. Um... 
now specifically talking about retirement accounts. Uh, that could be what we call qualified plans, which is basically 401ks, 403bs, um, those plans that fall under ERISA, which is uh, employer retirement, bup, 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 bup. and then what I would call non-qualified retirement is IRAs, um, Roth IRAs, those kinds of retirement accounts, a little bit different rules on those. So the exceptions to taking money out of, um, uh, the exceptions to assessing a 10% penalty on an early withdrawal from a retirement account is, um, uh, one of the things is age 55, and this is important for qualified plans. So qualified plans, meaning the 401k and the 403b, people retiring or terminated in the year they turn age 55, meaning you don't have to be 55 when you're terminated. You just have to be 55 by the end of the year that you're terminated. So if you're terminated from employment in February and you're going to be 55 in December, and you weren't planning on this early retirement, you were terminated, laid off, whatever, and you need the money, you would be able to take a distribution from your 401k and avoid the 10% penalty because that's an exception when you have been early terminated in the year you turn 55. Now, I just realized, though, I should clarify something. I, I don't recall. You might have to be 55 before you can take the distribution. So you might have to be 55. I'd have to clarify that. But um, you could tap that then and avoid the 10% penalty. The planning around that, I just want to throw that in while we're, we're here, is that you have to be careful when you leave an employer. If you're 55, but you're pre-age 59 and a half, you have to be careful about rolling over those retirement monies because if you need access to them, you can still tap it if you're 55 and avoid the 10% penalty. But if you roll it over to an IRA, that is not an exception. There is not a 55-year-old exception for taking an early distribution from an IRA. Be very, very careful and be especially careful of any financial advisor who tells you to automatically roll it over without assessing your situation and discussing whether you have enough means and funds available to, um, you know, manage your cash flow since you've been terminated. So just be very, very careful. Age 59 and a half is the uh, exception to the 10% penalty. It's not an exception. There is no 10% penalty on age 59 and a half. This is the normal age that you can start taking money out of your retirement account without a penalty. Um, you don't have to take it out. You can take it out. So you don't have to take it out at age 59 and a half. You just can to avoid the penalty. Now, in those circumstances, when we talk about pre-tax dollars, you do have income tax on that. So you're not avoiding income tax, folks. Don't get excited. You're only avoiding the early withdrawal penalty um, pre-age 59 and a half. And that would qualify for the qualified plans at age 55, if you're 55 by in the year of termination by the end of the year. And other kinds of exceptions to the 10% penalty have to do with medical, uh, disability, uh, death, um, borrowing for a home purchase depends on you know, what kind of plan it is. Different rules apply to the 401ks versus the IRAs. So just be aware of that. Um, 
Now let's talk about Social Security. So age 62 is the early Social Security age, meaning once you reach age 62 and you otherwise qualify for Social Security, meaning you've earned enough qualified um, quarters or credits for Social Security to uh, be eligible for a benefit, 62 is the early retirement age. And the reason it's important to know that is I have heard so many people say, well, you know, oh, I I get Social Security at 62. I qualify for Social Security at 62. And like they think that that's the age they should take Social Security. You really need to be aware and understand that you're taking a significant haircut uh, from your benefit when you file early um, at age 62. So nowadays, full retirement age uh, for people born 1960 or later is age 67. And if you collect at age 62, you're basically taking like a 35% haircut on your benefit. The concept being that you file sooner and you collect longer, you know, for the same life expectancy that if you claim later, you're going to claim a higher amount for a shorter period of time. Um, There's calculations done on this, but that haircut really may not be worth it if you're someone who has longer life expectancy and could outlive the break-even point. So quite often I see a break-even point about 12 years. Um, People are living longer. We're constantly having more advancements in healthcare, and you might want to think about whether you want to file early and lock in that lower benefit with that haircut. People who are married have a lot more flexibility in that and a lot more options because one might file early and one might file late because if you have a death, the survivor steps into the higher of the two benefits, which, you know, it's part of that planning. Like, do we want to think about who should file and when should they file and who had the higher benefit and things like that. So that's age 62. As I mentioned, full retirement age depends on what year you were born, but for sure, if you're born 1960 or later, under today's laws, your full retirement age is 67. And otherwise, it depends on uh, when you're born. For example, it could be Uh, It used to be age 66, so I think it's like 66 in one month, 66 in two months, 66 in three months. But you have to know what what year you were born. Um, So that is Social Security benefits. Um, Medicare age age 65, um, or or you might be disabled. So I, I don't want to say that Medicare is only available to people who are 65. It's also available to people who are um, deemed disabled. But Medicare, typically normal, age 65. You may not be collecting Social Security, but you will need to address Medicare. So what happens at age 65? You're now eligible for Medicare. And it could be Medicare Part A is hospital insurance that w- we, we have paid for while we were working. That's the Medicare, you know, um, deduction on your pay stub while we're working. That's paying for our hospital insurance that at age 65, we qualify for Medicare Part A hospital insurance, and we don't have to pay for that then. And then there's also Medicare Part B, 
which is paying for, you know, doctors and medical, you know, um, services, et cetera. Medicare Part B premiums typically come out of our Social Security payment. But if we're not collecting at age 65, then we're going to have to write a check for Medicare Part B. But you don't have to apply for either of those if you have other qualified health insurance, uh, meaning, uh, you know, qualified health insurance provides a certain amount of benefits. Typically, most of the health insurance, I think, require, you know, qualifies for this. Um so, for example, my husband is 65. He applied for Medicare Part A, the hospital insurance, but we chose to have him on my health insurance at work. So he did not have to apply for Medicare Part B at this time. And uh, so he has other qualified health insurance. And through that process with him, he did have to provide to Medicare that he did have that uh, qualifying health insurance and gave them their, uh, you know, the documentation for that. So age 65, you're eligible for Medicare. You may or may not uh, have to take it if you have other qualified insurance. If you have Social Security, it would automatically be deducted and paid for that Medicare Part B. And if you uh, aren't collecting Social Security, then you'll have to make arrangements to pay tax on, or sorry, pay the premium on that. All right. Now we have um, age 70. I want to mention age 70 and why that's important is because remember when I was talking about Social Security in age 62, that's the early um, insure. That's the early um, benefit for Social Security. Age 70 is um, an age where you can defer pain. So we have age 62. We have age, uh, full retirement age, which I'll say 1960 or later is age 67. And then we have age 70. So if you defer collecting Social Security rather than collecting at full retirement age, you defer it longer, you earn an extra premium of about 8% a year. And that is really the maximum benefit. And that is your age 70 benefit. And there's no reason to wait to, to file for Social Security after that, because it's not going to change. That benefit's kind of locked in and um, you're just losing money by not collecting at that point. So often I see with couples, one might file early or at full retirement age and the other couple, the other spouse might uh, defer until age 70. And it kind of maximizes the benefit for either, uh, either survivor meaning if I have the higher benefit and my lower benefit spouse dies, I still have my higher benefit and it stays the same. If I die first and I had the higher benefit, now my uh, surviving spouse with the lower benefit, that benefit goes away. They step into the higher age 70 benefit. Um, I will point out too one other thing, which doesn't really have to do with ages necessarily, but in filing for social security and claiming when we have spouses, um, quite often the, the, there may be a lower earning spouse whose own benefit may be less than what we call the spousal benefit. So if we have a higher earning spouse and they haven't filed yet, the lower earning spouse may file on their own record. And then when that high, if they're, you know, age eligible, then when that higher working spouse retires and files for their own higher benefit, if the spousal benefit is more than the lower earning spouse's natural benefit, they 
could get a step up in their benefit, but they don't qualify for a spousal benefit until the higher you know earner is has filed. Now, the lower earner spouse may or may not get that you know little bit of a step up, but don't be confused about waiting to age seventy because that higher spousal benefit that you might qualify for is not based on the age age 70 benefit. It's based on the full retirement age benefit. All right. So if someone's going to earn 40,000 at age 67 in social security, and if they wait to age 67 or 70, I'm making this up. Uh, what did I say? 40,000. Let's say it's going to be 44,000. The spousal benefit in my one story, if they uh, lower spouse waits till full retirement age, it might be uh, 20,000, half of the 40, roughly. Um, and if the higher earner spouse waits till 70, the lower earner spouse isn't going to get half of 44. They're going to get the full retirement age benefit. All right. A little complicated. Good to kind of know some of these things, though, in the back of your head. So we talked about age 70, and now we also have age 70 and a half. 70 and a half is a really important age. And for those people who aren't 70 and a half or had not been 70 and a half or almost 70 and a half or just turned 70 and a half. This is really where you have to start paying attention. Maybe you don't think about these things uh, because they didn't apply to you. They never wasn't across your radar, but now you're 70 and a half. Why is that important? Because at 70 and a half, you could make qualified charitable distributions from your retirement account and not pay tax on it. Now, remember though, they've changed the the required minimum distribution age, which now has, you know, keeps going up on my list. That age is now 73. It used to be 70 and a half. And that's why that was an important age. Um, but now it's really only important because you can do a qualified charitable distribution. I'll talk more about that when we as a planning point when we come back from this next break remember it is our fall membership drive we welcome new members renew your membership or make an extra gift at wdiy.org you can click donate or on the wdiy app if you have questions the phone number is 610-758-8810 we'll be back in just a moment WDIY thanks its members and Valley National Financial Advisors, offering a broad spectrum of financial services including portfolio management, tax return preparation, and financial planning for the accumulation years, retirement years, and estate distribution. On the web at valleynationalgroup.com or 610-868-9000. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Lori Sieber. You're listening to Your Financial Choices right here on WDIY 88.1. And I have Seamus McGrogan in the studio with some good news. Hey, Lori. Happy to be back. And we want to give a big thank you to John and Pam from Allentown who are renewing their membership. Thank you, John and Pam, helping us along the way with the fall membership drive. You also triggered meals that Second Harvest Food Bank of the Lehigh Valley will provide to those in need. So remember, everybody who donates right now during the fall membership drive is going to provide those meals to Second Harvest Food Bank thanks to our partners at Valley National Financial Advisors. Every $100 translates to 12 meals that Second Harvest can provide. And the great thing about that Valley National Financial Advisors partnership is they pay the cost to Second Harvest. So nothing you donate to WDIY is split up or diverted. It's double your community impact. The money goes to support your listening here on WDIY and Second Harvest gets a little extra to do what they do best and provide meals to those in need. So thank you, John and Pam, for supporting WDIY and Second Harvest. And now we ask you, if you haven't had a chance to renew your membership, make a first time gift or give a little extra now is a great time to do that at WDIY.org. Just hit that donate button. And 
in response to John and Pam, thank you so, so much, especially during the show and especially on my birthday. And I'm going to make an, a special donation to the show, to the studio, to the station. Sorry, I'm a little <laughs> tired, folks, today um, to WDIY. I, I normally do my giving, as I've mentioned on previous shows now through the United Way, because we have a matching program through Air Products, as my husband is a retiree. They're a wonderful program. Thank you, Lori Hackett, right. for um, this wonderful matching program for uh, retirees of Air Products, that if we make our donations through the United Way, the United, I can direct it to WDIY, mm-hmm. and the United and Air Products will match 75% of the gift directly to my um, designated charity, which is WDIY, and 25% of the match stays with our local United Way. So it's a a win across many ways. But um, that's my normal giving, my larger giving, but I'm going to make a special donation to the stu- to the station when I leave tonight, I'll write a check to you, Seamus, to oh, WDIY okay. in honor of my birthday and in honor of John and Pam taking the being the uh, ones to call in to to do their membership. Oh, well, so I appreciate that. So thank much. you, Lori. So generous. Yes, she's a great supporter of the station and just offers so much to the community. So thank you, Lori, for being here, offering your expertise each week. I know when I listen, I always learn something, and I hope other people who listen to the program come away with that, get some knowledge every single week. I hope so. I really love listening or hearing from listeners um, who give good feedback, that it means something to them because uh, I'm passionate about it. So I appreciate that uh, it helps. Well, taking care of your finances is important and Lori is here to help each and every week. So if you would like to ask a question, I know the phone lines are still open at 610-758-8810 to ask a question. Or you can donate at WDIY.org. Thank you so much, Seamus. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, John and Pam. Um, So wrapping up these ages, these important ages, we mentioned age 70 for the higher Social Security, age 70 and a half for the qualified charitable distributions. This I need to put a little asterisk on. It is from IRAs only. So if you have a 401k, the qualified charitable distribution is not available to you, but it is available from IRAs, and that's at age 70 and a half. It's up to $100,000 that you can give to um, a nonprofit, a charity, a 501c3 from your IRA. Um, I have actually had some clients that have donated that much. Um, And it is going to increase with inflation starting in 2024. So that could be a little bit higher than $100,000. So that's age 70 and a half. Now, I will tell you back when the required minimum distribution age was 70 and a half, this made total sense. Now I always put a little pause and here comes the planning tip. I always put a little pause on this because I love the idea of taking what is 100% taxable distribution and turning it into a 100% not taxable uh, distribution when we do it directly to charity. So you can do that even to WDIY. You have to ask your custodian to write a check to the organization, and then typically you deliver that check, and then there's no income tax on it. You have to adjust your 1099R tax reporting document at tax time to show that it is qualified charitable distribution. But here's my little asterisk, my planning point. If the required minimum distribution age is 73 and you turn 70 and a half in 2022, 23 at the beginning of the year, um, then you may end up being 71 by the end of this year um, if it's at the beginning. And then 
in a couple years, you're going to be 73 and you're going to have a required minimum distribution. Well, perhaps you might want to think about bunching your charitable giving. So instead of doing it out of your IRA when you're not receiving a tax benefit because you don't have a required minimum distribution at 70 and a half, maybe you could wait and bunch those deductions and give it to your favorite charity all in the year you turn 73. And maybe your required minimum distribution is $15,000. And maybe you donate $5,000 a year to your favorite charity. So you pause that for a few years. And then in the year you turn 73, instead of having a required minimum distribution of 15,000, you use that towards your qualified charitable distribution and put the whole 15,000 to that nonprofit. Then you pay zero tax on that 15,000. Now that that's great for that year, but then the next year, you're age 74, your required distribution is let's say 15,000 again. Now you could go back to just doing the 5,000. Um, per year out of the required minimum distribution. So you don't have to do the full amount of the required minimum distribution. And you can do more than the required minimum distribution, but not beyond the annual amount that's set currently at $100,000. Okay, so that's 70 and a half. But more importantly, for me, the planning tells me push it to your uh, required minimum distribution date. Um, for uh, both IRAs and qualified plans, required minimum distributions from those plans are is now age 73. And there are times where you don't have to take a required minimum distribution. We do see some people working longer and longer. If you're an employee at a, a company and you have a 401k, you don't have to take a required minimum distribution as long as you're working and there's certain ownership rules, but just assume you're an employee. Um, you don't have to take the required minimum distribution if you're also working or still continuing to work. So the the age 73 applies to most of us, um, but there are on occasion people who are continuing to work. Uh, my father-in-law retired at 93. So he has a huge required minimum distribution now because he didn't take it for, you know, 27 years because he continued to work. Now, that age uh, required minimum distribution age of 73 is scheduled to increase. And I think by 2023, it's going to be age 75. So they're kind of pushing that required minimum distribution age. So when we talk about planning, the other thing we have to keep in mind is that as we defer longer, for the required minimum distribution. It could be if we're not needing the money and we're not taking the money out because we don't have to, and it's growing more and more, those accounts are getting bigger and bigger. And now we might have higher required minimum distributions in our retirement years when the whole concept of deferring when we were working was thinking that when we retired, we're going to be in a lower tax bracket. Well, now I have quite a few retirees who are sometimes in higher tax brackets when they retire than they were when they were working. So you just got to be kind of careful how you're growing your money, where you're growing your money, where is the geography of your money? Um, so do you have equities in non-retirement accounts, bonds, fixed income and retirement accounts, where's your money growing? Is it growing at income, ordinary income tax rates or, you know, capital gains, qualified dividend tax rates? So we kind of want to watch that. But um, 
The concept is then if those accounts are getting bigger and bigger and the deferral is later and later, and now we have this other new rule, this isn't age-based, but under new legislation, the SECURE Act of 2.0, now if you're a non-spouse beneficiary, when you inherit retirement accounts, you have different rules than we used to. It used to be the... the um, beneficiary would take out the a non-spouse beneficiary would take a distribution out over their life expectancy uh, you know unless there was unless it went to an estate or something like that but basically general rule over your life expectancy which could have been you know if you inherited age you know 55 the life expectancy might have been 25 years well now it's accelerated you have to take it out within 10 years so now we have people who are inheriting and bigger accounts because our owners didn't have to take it out as early. They grew, they're growing larger for a longer period of time. Now we have non-spouse beneficiaries inheriting who have to take it out within 10 years, quite often in their highest earning years. If you're inheriting, you know, we lose parents, we might be 50, 60, 40, you know, and now we're in our highest earning years, we may be inheriting assets that have an accelerated distribution, which causes more income on our tax returns, putting us possibly in a higher income tax bracket. So just you've got to kind of watch for some of these things just because you have a required minimum distribution at age 73 doesn't mean you shouldn't take it sooner. And if you don't need the money sooner, maybe you retire at 65, you don't need the money. You have other means, whatever it might be. Maybe you have a pension, maybe you have social security. Um, you really, as a planning point should say, even though I don't have a required minimum distribution, does it make sense to take money out of the IRA? And if you don't need it, what is the option we often talk about? Converting to a Roth. That could make sense. Could. I'm, you have to evaluate this on your own. Last week, we talked about your financial fingerprint that planning is unique to you and unique to your circumstances. Even when I talked about social security earlier and when to take it, you know, early so 62 or 70, there's so many other factors that go into uh, filing for social security. It's not just about, is the social security be around for me? It's how old are you? What's your life expectancy? Do you have to provide for a spouse? Um, what's your tax brackets? Um, what other resources do you have? So there's a lot of other decisions that go into permutations, as I said last week, uh, a lot of decisions that go into someone deciding when to uh, take money out of retirement accounts. Um, so kind of pay attention to that. Now, let me see with my last one minute, if I can talk about some planning opportunities around the kids, because I kind of talked about some of the planning around, you know, uh, the retirement age. Now, when you have a child, if they're working, you remember how I said there's the kitty tax, and you know, you might have tax on unearned income, which is basically investment income, how can we protect that uh, from happening? Well, if your child is working, and they have have earnings and they still might be under the standard deduction so they might not have any income tax a great opportunity might be to not put their money into an UPMA account but put it into a Roth IRA if they have earnings up to in 2023 the threshold is 
I also think that's a great opportunity for uh, gifting from grandparents to help kids fund Roth IRAs. I've had clients do it, and I just think it's it's wonderful. So a lot of planning could go around those uh, the children, and you have to be careful too around the planning. Perhaps if you have um, maybe a young adult who decided to wait to go to college, they they're still trying to find their way. Maybe they'll go. Maybe they won't. Maybe their their gross income is you know. $4,500 and they might not qualify then to be your dependent. So maybe, you know, have them take some days off and they, they make under the gross income limitation and you can still claim them. It might be more beneficial to you. Little planning tips like that, that you kind of have to watch and make sure you understand uh, what, when you'll qualify for a tax credit, a dependent credit and uh, earned income credit for, for certain people. So thank you so much for uh, tuning in this evening. I hope that some of the information was helpful. Thank you, Bob and Cindy, for being here. Thank you, Shandi, for being here. I want to, again, thank our listeners and members who have contributed so far to our 2023 fall membership drive. We really appreciate it. We love WDIY. We love being here at WDIY, and we're really grateful for the opportunities we have to bring this valuable information to you through Your Financial Choices, which is also available at yourfinancialchoices.com, and podcasts of prior shows are also available on many streaming services. Just search for Your Financial Choices and for topics that are of interest to you. Uh, Additional um, gifts, renewing your new membership, renewing your membership or becoming a new member can be done through WDIY.org or going on the WDIY app. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about making financial planning work for you. Coming up next, we have Tom Druckenmiller within the tradition folk music. Remember, pay attention, be proactive, not reactive. Make the best of your financial choices and have a great week. (laughs) 